Okay. Okay, and the story begins, friends. Welcome. We are on page 19. We're starting the Ketoret section. Ketoret is our biblical incense. Again, the notion of prayer is a replacement, second best, a replacement for biblical offerings. As part of the biblical offerings, following the korbanot, the animal sacrifice, was the ketoret, was the incense that was brought on a daily basis, the incense that was done in the base of Mikdash. So after reciting the korbanot, after reciting the verses that deal with the daily tamid offering that we spoke about last week, we read about the incense. The Zohar, one of the earliest works of Kabbalah, accentuates the notion of reciting Ketoret, reciting the verses that talk about the incense, reciting it every single day. Um, it accentuates this idea to an incredible degree. It says, were we to understand the power and the significance of incense, and we're hopefully going to unpack some of that today, but were we to understand the power of incense and what it represented, the Zohar says something quite extreme. It says that we would take each letter and each word and we would crown ourselves with it. That's how far we go. It sounds familiar. With it, yeah, you've you've read that before about the incense. If we were to, is it from from your Zohar class, from one of your classes? You've you've heard. Okay, were we to understand the power of the incense, we would take each word, we would relish in it, we would wear it as a crown because it's very powerful. And we're hopefully today going to unpack some of that. But let's take a step back. What is the idea of a? The whole idea of the beta of the uh, offerings, sacrifices, incense, services, all of these were perfor performed in the temple, in the base of Mikdash. What is the purpose of the base of Mikdash? It's a home for God. The Torah says, Mikdash God says, Make for me a sanctuary and I'll dwell in it. Again, translations are dangerous. It doesn't say I'll dwell in it. It actually says I'll dwell in them. And our stages wonder why it says that. It should say I'll dwell in it. Because it's also referring to us. God wants us to make ourselves a sanctuary. And the implication is that the services performed, the sacrifices performed in the base of Mikdash, also apply to ourselves on a microcosmic level. We could perform those services in our own personal base of Mikdash, in our own personal house for God. We're supposed to be a house for God. That's what we're all about. Last week, we explained how we make ourselves a house for God with sacrifices, bringing our animal soul to God as a sacrifice, making it a tamid, a consistent offering, being consistent about it every single morning, every single evening. Today, we talk about incense. But let's compare and contrast sacrifices, korbanot, to incense, ketoret. We'll compare and contrast here for a second because I think it's going to help us put things in context. The word korban, which means an animal sacrifice, comes from the Hebrew word karov, closeness. The word ketoret, incense, the root word is keter, katar. Katar is Aramaic. How's your Aramaic? <laughs> the, the katar is Aramaic for 
connection. It's it's the Hebrew version would be kesher, right? A knot. So in Aramaic, the the Aramaic translation of kesher is katar. So katorit, connection, a knot. Am I close to God? Am I tied? Am I knotted with God? Am I connected with God? In other words, the korbanot, the animal sacrifices, the katorit, the incense, represent two approaches to our relationship with God. A closeness with God suggests that there's varying degrees of how close I am. Right? Are you close? Well, how close are you? There's varying degrees. And the truth is there's infinite degrees. Depends how much I appreciate God. That's essentially how close I am. The more I appreciate him, the more I can love him, the more I can revere him. And that's going to vary from person to person, right? Right now, there's five of us on this um, Zoom call. And were you to ask each of, if we were to each talk about our relationship with God, you get five different descriptions because we're different people. So the closeness is not only varying degrees, but there's varying experiences of what closeness is. But were we to talk about not our closeness to God, our objective connection to God, there's not a whole lot of conversation that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm Jewish. I got a soul. I'm connected. That's it. There's not really much to talk about. That's the incense. That's the ketoret. The word keter means connection. It's the essential connection. For any of you who think I've betrayed a Diet Coke, this is not coffee. Don't worry, don't worry, I have no fear. <laughs> now, now, just some geographical context. The sacrifices, the korban, which represents subjective closeness based on a, you know, intellectual appreciation. Where were those perform, performed? In the altar. Where was this main altar located? In the courtyard outside of the temple. The incense were performed on a smaller altar on the inside of the temple. And our sages tell us, what would that represent in the human experience? The altar is like the heart. Bringing the animal with a fire on the altar is bringing fire onto the animal. So, but then there's the depths of the heart, the internal heart, the internal indoor altar for the incense. In other words, the external altar outside that's where you feel close to god but inside if i if i dig really deep if i dig deep enough i get to the indoor altar i'm not really going to this focus on how close i feel to god i'm going to recognize that i am part and parcel with him i'm connected with him whether i like it or not One of the different, another difference between these two perspectives, this duality of closeness, korban, or objective connection, ketoret. When it comes to closeness, that relationship is going to fluctuate. Today I feel close. Tomorrow I feel even closer. The next day I feel even less close. Go back and forth. 
because it's dependent on my effort. It's dependent on my appreciation, my intellectual appreciation. It's dependent on what's going on in my life. It's depending on how much effort I invest. Right? There is the, it, the relationship fluctuates. It's like the fire on the altar it goes up, it goes down, right? It, it doesn't have that uh, stability. Relationships that, by the way, both of these relationships are important. We're not saying that one is better than the other. They both have their merits, and we'll talk about that soon. But any relationship that is founded on your appreciation, subjective appreciation, is going to fluctuate. It's no different with the korbanot, the closeness. That relationship is going to fluctuate. The relationship represented by the ketoret, by the incense, the keter, which is the essential connection, that relationship isn't going anywhere. Nothing's changed. The only thing that's going to change is how much I allow myself to experience it. But the relationship itself, that relationship, always there. Doesn't go anywhere. As a result of this, by the way, has a much stronger power to elevate negativity. A korban, a sacrifice, can only be brought with kosher animals. You can't bring a pig on the altar. It doesn't work, right? When it comes to the ketoret, when it comes to the incense, some of the ingredients of the incense, there were 11 ingredients to the incense, and I forgot to read them. We'll read through them in a second. The 11, of the 11 ingredients of the incense, some of them actually came from non-kosher sources, implying that a connection that is founded not on appreciation, but or intellectual appreciation, a connection that is founded on the fact that we're essentially connected, has the ability to elevate even something that perhaps a non-kosher past. Take a look on page 19. We're gonna, today we're just doing these first two paragraphs from, from where it says Ketorit incense. You are the Lord our God, God of our fathers, before whom our ancestors burned the offerings of incense when the Beit HaMikdash stood, and you have commanded them through Moses, your prophet, that is written in your Torah. Now we're about to quote from the Torah. The Lord says to Moses, take fragrant spices. I'm not going to be able to pronounce all of these, so... Forgive me in advance. <laughs> Take fragrant spices. Stacked. Oh, okay. Should I even try? Okay. Okay. I need a volunteer here. <laughs> anybody knows what the, anybody know what these are? I don't know. The Hebrew is better for me. Galbanum. Fragrant spices. Pure frankincense. There shall be an equal weight of each, and you shall make it into incense a compound expertly blended, well-mingled, pure and holy. And next week, we're going to go in greater depth about the process and how these were actually prepared and what that represents, but we're, we're not going to get there yet. The Mishnah is going to talk about that. You shall grind some of it very fine, put some of it before the Ark of the Tabernacle. In the Tabernacle. There I will meet you, most holy shall it be for you. As it is written... Aaron shall burn upon the altar the incense of fragrant spices every morning when he cleans the lamps of the menorah. He shall burn it. And toward the evening when Aaron lights the menorah, he shall burn it. This is the continual incense offering before the Lord through 
your generations. Okay, we'll talk about the connection to the menorah in a minute. But let, let's sum this up. There's two relationships, two types of relationships. The, the way I see it, there's two steps in marriage. You date, then you get married. Right, what's the difference between the two? When you date, what connects you? Your interest. Your interest for the person. Your appreciation of the person. You like them. You like their looks. You like their values. You like... And that appreciation unlocks feelings. Right? We feel, we respect, and we feel love toward that which we appreciate. But once you're married, once that chuppah takes place, then what connects you? No longer your appreciation. What connects you is the marriage itself. You become one. Right? That like God tells Adam and Adam, leave your parents home and cleave to your spouse, become one. What connects you is a sacred marriage. The fact that you simply became one. Which is, by the, way, by the way, one of the reasons why divorce is so difficult. Divorce isn't difficult because they weren't meant to be together. Divorce is difficult because they were meant to be together. They became one. They may not have gotten along. And sometimes divorce is necessary. They become one. Now you got to amputate. That hurts. It does. It's painful. But what that shows is how powerful a relationship is. The relationship isn't founded on your appreciation. And by the way, that's where, that, that's where marriage, I was talking about the, with this with somebody yesterday, it was two days ago, I don't know. Um, dating and marriage are almost opposites. <laughs> dating is like the korbanot. The word korban is closeness. I'm coming close to God. I appreciate God. There's varying degrees of closeness and there's a lack of stability when it comes to closeness. And that's mine. That's par for the course. But when it comes to the marriage, the ketoret, the keter, the connection, the objective connection, well, what makes you connected is the fact that you are connected. Now, both of these relationships have their pros and their cons. Both of these perspectives on relationships have their drawbacks both when it comes to an intermarital or marital relationship, when it comes to our relationship with God, the advantage of an experiential relationship. I feel connected because I appreciate you. It's deep. It's meaningful. It's fun, right? But what's the disadvantage? It's fun until it isn't. <laughs> the advantage of an essential relationship. We are connected. But I'm connected to God because I'm a Jew and that's it, whether I like it or not. What is the advantage to that? Stability. It's not always fun. Ideally, we want to bridge both worlds. You can't just be, start doing ketorah, start doing incense. <laughs> it's got to be preceded by the karbanat, by the closeness. That closeness has to lead into ketorah. 
let, let me frame it this way. Another way to frame it. Korbanot represents your individuality as a Jew. Because it's your closeness to God. Describe your closeness to God. Have someone else describe their closeness to God. Have a third person describe their closeness. Everybody's going to have a different experience. It's the individuality of a Jew, what it feels like to be a Jew, how I like it, what I'm inspired by. What Ketoret represents is the communal part of Judaism. The common thread that we all have. The common thread we all have as Jews is we're Jewish. Not our experience, but our essential soul identity. And that's why, by the way, korbanot is something that's eaten. You each get a portion to eat. And it's all split up. Ketoret, incense, is something you smell. How many people, it doesn't matter how many people you have in that room, the smell is going to be the same for everybody. In other words, you don't need more smell because there's more people. You don't need more incense because there's more people. The smells, it's going to be enough for everybody, whether there's one person in the room, whether there's 100 people in the room. It's that objective relationship. Which one is more important? Neither. Or both. You need both. You need both. This is the mistake that the spies made. Talking about the spies again. Next week's Torah portion. And the mistake that Moses' evil, Moses's evil cousin made, Korach. You're familiar with Korach? Both stories are juxtaposed next to one another. You know what they say. Um, Moses has this crazy cousin. He says, everybody has crazy in their family. And if you don't think you have it, then it's probably you. <laughs> Let's go back to the story of the spies. The spies were sent to Israel to give a positive report on the land. They come back, they give a negative report. And the deep spiritual significance to that was they preferred the spiritual comfort of the desert rather than their sacred mission working the land. Okay, they preferred the experience of Judaism rather than the goal of Judaism, doing what God wants. They preferred to do korbanot, to feel close to God, rather than be connected to God. And sometimes they seem to come, they're not actually at odds with one another, but they may seem like they are, right? You're connected to God by doing what he wants. You feel close to God by, in this case, they thought they were feel, being close by doing what they wanted. <laughs> so they made a big mistake. Korach comes in the next portion and starts saying, why is there hierarchy in Judaism? Shouldn't we all be the same? Don't we all have a divine soul? Don't we all have a sacred mission? Isn't Judaism not about our experience, but about the emet, about the truth? Well, if so, why is there a Moses, an Aaron, a hierarchy of levels? Aren't we all the same? Isn't it, don't we all have the Ketoret connection? It's not about our closeness, but it's about the objective connection. They both had valid points. The problem was they both the spies and Korach were fanatical in their opinion. 
because we need a blend. We need our individuality, our own personal experience of Judaism, the korbanot, the kiruv, the closeness. We also need the katoret, the objective connection. This is what it's about. This is the truth. This is the emit. This is my mission. And we need both. They need to be united. This is the two altars, or in our case, our own personal temple, the two hearts, the internal heart, the external heart. Take a look. This is one of my favorite mm -hmm. insights on the sitter. Take a look on page 41. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. The blessing that precedes the Shema. This is actually one of my favorite parts of davening. I actually love this. Where are we? Hold on. Give me a second. Okay. If you look on the second paragraph of the page, 11 lines down. In the middle, it says enlighten. You see it? The sentence starts with enlighten, 11 lines down, pretty much the middle of the, pay, uh, of the paragraph. In the Hebrew, it's v'ha'erenenu, right? We sing that in Shulv. Enlighten our eyes in your Torah. Cause our hearts to cleave to your commandments and unite our hearts to love and fear your name. In one of his uh, teachings and talks, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya, says, wait a minute, why does it say unite our hearts? There's two ways of understanding this. Let us all be united together. That's the simple understanding, right? But he says, no, it's talking about the individual that, because we all have two hearts. We have the most deepest parts of our hearts, the deepest part of our soul which feels connected objectively, which is connected objectively, that's the katoret. Katoret comes from the word katar. I'm connected. Then we have the external part of the heart, the experiential part of the heart. My human experience, which is korbanot, kiruv, closeness. And sometimes they're disaligned. I, may, I am objectively connected to God, but do I experience it that way? So we ask God, unite our hearts, that both of our hearts, the experiential part of our heart that experiences God and the objective part of our heart that is totally connected with God no matter what. Let them both be united. Let them both be aligned. Essentially, we're praying, God, please align ourselves. Let us not take either extreme, that either Korach, who focused on objective truth, or the spies who focused on human experience. Let us not take either extreme, but let us bridge the two worlds. Let us get that healthy uh, synthesis and balance of what Judaism is all about. About the experience, but in context of what we are supposed to be experiencing. Make sense? You with me? Okay, this is what the Ketoret is all about. This is why the Zohar accentuates the concept of Ketoret because it is the, the essence of Judaism. It's the scent, it's the smell. The smell is more spiritual than the korbanot, which is food, which is something more physical. <clears throat> By the way, the word ketoret in Hebrew, incense, has the numerical value of 613. Because where is that objective connection expressed? Mitzvahs. Right? It's, object, it's, it's expressed 
in action. It's expressed in what we do. I'm not Jewish because I do a mitzvah, but because I'm Jewish, I'm going to express that and experience it to the greatest degree. That's going to be through a mitzvah. That's where I'm going to tap into the Katorah connection, to the incense connection. The most spiritual of spiritual, which is Katorah, it's scent. You can't even touch the scent. You can't, it, scent is the most, one of the most spiritual of physical senses. Right, scent has the ability to take you anywhere. You smell sunscreen, you feel like you're at the beach. You, you smell um, whatever it is. You know, the idea of scent has the ability to transport you. Where is the most spiritual of spiritual experienced in the most physical of physical? The performance of a mitzvah in action. Whereas the korbanot, that more strictly represents davening, which is not as objective, right? A mitzvah is pretty black and white. You either lit Shabbos candles or you didn't, <laughs> right? You either uh, put on tefillin or you didn't. You either put up the mezuzah or you didn't. You either gave charity or you didn't. When it comes to davening, which is what the korbanot strictly represents, it's not, davening is not as black and white. Did you daven or not? Because davening is experiential. <laughs> Did you develop passion for God or not? It's It's very... There's a gray area, and it's a, it, it, you know, there, it's not that black and white for that reason. But there's an order here. So first we date. That's the kurbanot. We get to appreciate God. Afterward, we can tie the knot. In the literal sense of the word. That's the, that's the katarit. We can realize we are essentially connected to God. But in the middle, between those two processes... That's when the Kohen would light the menorah. It's actually this week's Parsha, by the way. That's when the Kohen would light the menorah. Right? Go back to page 19, middle of the page, middle paragraph. Um, seven lines up from that middle paragraph where it says, and. I wish they would. In the old sitters, they used to number the, the sides. You ever see those? Some of the sitters have the, each line numbered so you can easily reference them. And it is written, Aaron shall burn upon the altar the incense of fragrant spices every morning when he cleans the lamps of the menorah. He shall burn it. Toward the evening when Aaron lights the menorah, he shall burn it. This is a continual incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. Prior to the incense, though, was the cleaning and igniting of the menorah. What is the connection? Why was the menorah lit prior to incense? Incense is that objective connection with God. It's a spiritual connection performed through the physical, the mitzvahs, right? As, we, as we've been describing. But the precursor to that, light the menorah. The menorah has seven branches. And the seven branches actually represent seven spiritual personality traits that Kabbalah talks about. Right? There's chesed, kindness, gevura, discipline, the various seven traits, which we actually work on one trait each week during the Omer, during the seven weeks between Passover and Shavuos, while we're counting the Omer. 
But each of these need to be illuminated. Because what they represent is actually taking this animal trait and actually putting it on fire, redirecting it towards something positive. What may be lust, what may be experienced as selfish passion could be transformed into passion for truth, passion for God, passion for, what's mat- for, what, for what is meaningful and for what matters. What may be experienced as unhealthy fear, anxiety, or anger could be transformed into being reverent for God, right? We can transform these negative traits. That's what lighting the menorah is. Taking one of these branches, these seven branches, and inspiring them with fire, with passion, toward the right direction. So now we're focused so we can align the notion of korbanot, human experience, with ketorah, objective connection. The bridge between those two is lighting the menorah, is taking your candle, lighting it up. I was just reading in a talk from the Rebbe in 1969. Fascinating insight on the idea of lighting the menorah. What is a candle? Well, there's two things. There's the existence of a candle. There's the function of a candle. So if you were to have a cup of oil and a wick, the candle exists but it's not really a candle. It's just, it doesn't function, right? It's not really a candle until it functions. It's just a, just a piece of, it's just some oil or a lump of wax or whatever it is. Until you light it on fire, until you ignite it, now it's functional, now you can call it a candle. Until we function for why we were created, uh, for the purpose of why we were created, we're not really our true selves. Or like that candle that's not lit yet. It's just a lump of wax. But once we, be, we live a life that is consistent, or we, we aspire to live a life that is consistent for why we were created, we become our truest, best versions of ourselves. And that's what the Ketorit is. The Ketorit is the objective connection, the best version of yourself. I'm connected because this is who I am. And it's united with human experience via Levavenu. Okay, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.